it's a little pet peeve of mine, right? Go on the web and somebody writes up about me and they put web gorilla, as in the monkey. Not gorilla, like, you know, warfare, terrorist. We're gonna do the monkey. Hi, this is Greg Bozo. Do the monkey. A.K.A. Monkey Boy. Monkey, monkey. Sometimes I get a little pissy. That's alright. I gotta tell you, dude, he made you look like a good chimp. He did. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're confusing me. Monkeypicks.co.uk. Funny bastard, isn't he? I swear to God, if you play that promo one more time, (laughs) I'm publishing the photo. How much is that gorilla in the window? impact on your interactive marketing through performance, advertising, community outreach, and technology. Be captivated by the people who are leading the wave of change in the online marketplace. This is who AdTech is. AdTech Connect, your weekly radio show. Get behind the scenes with industry giants. Be privy to the insider track. Witness the newest technologies. Make sure you're in the scene each week with AdTech Connect. You're connected now with your host. Hi, this is Andy Cernovitz head of the Word of Mouth Marketing Association, excited to be hosting today's edition of AdTech Radio. We are AdTech Connect Live. We are thrilled to be here on Webmaster Radio, and we have two very exciting guests today. And we're going to be talking to two experts who have been researching and tracking the interactive marketing business longer than anybody out there, uh, two people who can give us a great perspective as to where we've come from, where we're going, and what the rest of us should be doing about this. Our first guest for the first half of the show is Peter Stork from Points North, previously of Jupiter. Our guest for the second half of the show will be Michael Chong of Uber Cool and longtime visionary analyst. And both of these folks are extremely exciting experts. And, of course, you can meet and hear both of them speaking at AdTech, by far the best marketing trade show there ever has been. So we're very excited to start. Uh, Peter, are you there with us? I'm here. Good morning, Peter. Hi, Andy. How are you? All right. Why don't you? Well, first of all, thank you for joining us today. Sure. It's a good good to talk to you on the phone and on the radio, and not just in the hallway at a trade show. <laughs> That's for sure. Yep. It, it's um, we're we're officially a multimedia, all media kind of world all the time. We we are indeed. Maybe the podcast revolution has has done nothing but you know let us each talk to each other more than we used to. You know, perhaps, record it and let our friends much. talk to each other. <laughs> Those of us in the professional speaking circuit may now be permanently talking uh, for everybody's recording pleasure. Yep. Yeah. So, so Peter, you know, when we when we last met at the last ad tech show, you were just you know kicking off your current firm. Mm-hmm. Can you give me a sense of what Points North does, what you do, and sort of how you got here? Okay. Uh, thanks for asking. Hello, everybody. Thanks for having me. Uh, Points North Group is is a research firm. I'm the, uh, the former president of Jupiter Research. I was I was there uh, about seven years through 2001, uh, having um, started their online advertising and marketing research back in '95. Uh, we started Points North first, first with a bunch of former dupes, and uh, since transitioned into a more uh, a heterogeneous group. Uh, we, we launched we launched Points North, Points North with the thinking that um, there was a need for a, uh, a research firm who focused exclusively on digital media strategy, uh, meaning we, our clients are 
media companies like AOL and Time Warner, Disney, Comcast, etc., uh, gadget makers, uh, Dell, Texas Instruments, Thompson, Kodak, etc., uh, and advertisers. And uh, it's, it's all we do. We, um, we do consumer research and uh, competitive industry research. Uh, we have analysts who are experts in uh, you know, the TV business, the movie business, the music business, et cetera, and uh, we try to give our clients a sense of uh, where things are headed. Well, let, me, let me go from where we think things are headed by starting with where we've been. Okay. If, if we compare 96 to 2006, where you were in similar positions with a similar team of analysts, what do you, what do you sense is on the horizon for the next couple of years? Are we at the start of another boom time? I mean, what's up right now? Yeah, um, gee, excellent question. Uh, definite similarities to uh, 96, hopefully uh, not too many similarities to 96. Um, uh, there was indeed uh, irrational exuberance back then. Uh, there's, there's, there's excitement and chaos right now, uh, but hopefully not uh, irrational and uh, going to result in a big bust. Um, Back then, uh, when uh, when Jupiter was was uh, you know just a little company and, and we were hiring up analysts at a rapid pace, uh, we were trying to cover everything interactive. Uh, so so we you know we had a service for the travel industry and the internet, the auto industry and the internet, uh, healthcare and the internet, etc. Um, uh, of course, what happened back then was there was all this money being spent on. Uh, Bad business ideas. Uh, everything got inflated, and then the, the, the house cards broke. Here in my company right now, we're, we're like I said, we're just focused on the, the digital media space, which is going through no less transformation than the kind of transformation that was happening back in '96, I think. Um, uh, but it's um, it's it's not as unknown. Everybody's seen it coming. It's it's the wave that's that first hit. Um, uh, really, really hit print publishers, namely newspapers. Uh, their woes were masked for uh, for a few years because of a booming economy, and their classified business was, was still doing well. And it, and it masked really how badly things were going to turn out for for on paper newspapers. Um, uh, and that's just coming to light now, really. Uh, then the next wave, I think, was was the first audiovisual medium, and. Uh, and uh, to, to be impacted was music, and of course we, we know what happened there. We know that the music companies were were slow to um, they were in denial. They 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 were trying to stop the uh, the tidal wave uh, rather than want, uh, ride it, and um, it hurt them, hurt them bad. And, and now we have we have this next wave, and it's it's um, moving pictures with sound. Uh, those industries, uh, the TV industry and the movie industry, especially, um, uh, the, the the tidal wave is now hitting them. They are absolutely determined not to have the same thing that happened in the music industry happen to them. Uh, they're 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 being much more aggressive, much much uh, taking more risks, being much smarter. I think um, putting their content in all kinds of places before they've figured out fully how to protect it, how to make money off of it. Um, but there's just so much to figure out, uh, both on the demand side, the consumer side. What it, what do consumers really want? What do they, what do they want to watch? Where, uh, you know, in what format, et cetera? And on the competitive and, and technology side, you know, what's going to work and, 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 and what's the best way to uh, get it all seamlessly working together and making money off of it? 
and um, that's that's what we're focused on. Uh, the, the dig- my final word on this question is the uh, the digital transition. You know, the government mandated um, a switch from analog TV to digital t- TV. That doesn't happen until 2009, and so you know, you think about it. That in itself is going to be the start of a, a whole new wave of. Uh, Chaos might be a little strong because maybe things will be a little bit calmer by then, but I think we're in for a good 10 years of, of experimentation, trial and error, uh, uh, musical chairs of, of leading players, uh, winners, losers, confusion, consumer confusion, um, but, you know, a lot of exciting new uh, products and services. Great. Well, I think that's a, that's a good opening and a good, intro, or a good transition into our first commercial break. So we're going to come back in a few minutes with Peter Stork to talk about winners, losers, confusion, and digital media and all these other topics that he's thrown out on the table. So we'll be back in a few minutes after our first commercial. 3 a.m. traveling to a conference in Oklahoma City. Steve Talbot's Ford Escort radiator hose bursts near the town of Hooker. He types hooker, escort, hookup into another local search engine's one-box search. He has a great time that he can't expense. TrueLocal.com. Two boxes. One click. Great results. Like the idea of gambling and winning with someone else's money? How about cashing in with the house? Sign up today with PartyPoker.com, the world's largest poker room and poker affiliate program. Cash in on one of the most lucrative and fastest-growing industries for webmasters. There's $10 million paid out to webmasters every month. The world is your oyster, and every hand is a winner. Wouldn't you like a slice of that pie? PartyPoker.com. Betting on the house makes you a winner. Contact Alex L at PartyGaming.com for a great deal. PartyPoker.com. It's all about links, baby. Content is king, but links are what you need to get you those all-important organic search listings. Float to the top of your keyword listings within the major portals while driving targeted traffic to your website at the same time. Work with a company with a proven track record for delivering results for thousands of individual website owners and major Fortune 500 companies. TextLinkAds.com is your source for securing relevant links. Baby, textlinkads.com. Brady residents. Hi, this is Mark with webmasterradio.fm. I'm calling about the new music we're playing on Monday night. But the songs are the way they are nowadays. You can't hear the words well enough to understand that what you would have heard is something you wouldn't have understood anyway. I agree. That's why Monday nights we're turning back the hands of time to the sounds of the 60s with Magical Mystery Monday. Wow. Boy. Ruby. Wow. All right. Wait a minute, who else is on this line? Jan Brady. Hi, Jan. Poor thing, too bad she's a loser. A loser? Yeah. That's exactly what I am, a born loser. Oh, well, don't say that. You've got to have confidence in yourself. I do have confidence. I'm confident that I'm a no-talent loser. Well, if you want to build your confidence, then log on to webmasterradio.fm, because we've got a great lineup on Mondays with Strike Point at 3 p.m., Wizards of Web at 4, and Magical Mystery Mondays at 8 p.m. I hope you've learned something from all of this. Yes, that web. Webmaster Radio is the destination for education and entertainment. You are the grooviest. Wow, you can ride my range anytime. I really got to go now. Now back to... You're connected now with your host. Welcome back to EdTech Connect Live on Webmaster Radio. This is Andy Cernovitz talking with Peter Stork about digital media and what's happening to our TVs. 
Peter, I want to ask you about the big and little question. In just, in just the past 12 months, we've seen TV go from this thing in the living room, you know, simultaneously splitting off onto gigantic screens like we've never seen before in, in the average home, an HDTV, and virtually at the same time, people are walking on these tiny little iPods. You know, what, what, what does this mean for the TV experience? Uh, it's, it's a great question, and it's a fascinating um, phenomena, and, and the, answer is nobody, the answer to your question is nobody knows yet, but uh, here, here are some thoughts, uh, and I'm sure you have your own thoughts. Um, uh, okay, we, we have been uh, uh, early, promising, budding demand uh, for watching uh, TV on a little screen. Uh, consumers are, are strongly interested in, in doing a number of things, you know, watching uh, uh, video, uh, comedy clips, whatever it is. We, we ask them a whole range of stuff, and we have all that data if anybody's interested. Uh, um, about 20% say they're really interested, but, keep, you know, for every, every uh, four more, for every one of those, it is not really that interested yet at all. Um, and and the, the conventional wisdom, and, and I, I buy into it, seemed, seems to be emerging that... Um, Small screen TV uh, needs to be what people are starting to call snack TV. You know, the most effective, most desirable uh, video content when you're on the go, sitting on a bus, or um, you know, waiting for uh, a meeting to start, is um, little segments. You know, a John Stewart uh, segment interviewing Jimmy Carter, or a, uh, uh, a um, you know, a sports highlight. Something that uh, is bite-sized, a few minutes, and. Um, Better probably not have a ton of advertising in there, although uh, this is probably going to end up being some, and everybody's still inventing that. And then over on the, the, the large screen side of things, um, yeah, you know, everybody wants to watch, you know, when they can, uh, their video programming uh, on a big screen instead. Um, you're going to sit down and, 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 and dig into The Godfather for a couple hours. You're going to want. You're going to want to watch it on a, on a big screen. And, and um, one of our uh, sort of primary uh, sort of uh, mantras uh, of our analysts is that what we think is really key uh, for the industry is to get, um, it's going to sound a little jargony, but IP to the video stack, you know, to the AV stack, meaning get that Internet connection uh, to the TV so that you can watch Internet content on a big screen. We think that... Um, yeah, they're, they're, it's going in both directions. People are going to people are going to watch more on a big screen and more on a little screen, and it's going to be different types of content. It's going to it's going to be dependent on um, uh, where you know what they have time for and what they're watching. Um, how, do, how do you think a you know, network is going to handle this? Where instead of a nice chart on the wall with half hour segments that they need to fill for seven days, you know, suddenly they're being asked to produce high def, cool panoramic stuff to drive demand for their HDTV channels, and then little snack tidbits that may or may not be advertising supported. Is this, is this going to be as disruptive as trying to figure out how to throw content on the web and the other series of changes that have been happening? Just to hear you ask the question, I mean, doesn't it sound disruptive? <laughs> that sounds like a hell of a challenge, and, and that's why we're doing well. As a co- you know, that's why we're in business is because uh, these companies are facing enormous challenges. Um, you articulated it, Andy, really well. I mean, just right there. Um, they're forced to go in these two big directions, big, rich, high-def programming, 
and small bite-sized programming. You know, all, most of these, the big ones are, are public companies. They have, they have uh, profit pressures every single quarter. They've got to monetize this stuff. They've got to be afraid of uh, piracy. Um, they, they've got to understand all the technology. They've got to come up with, um, uh, with standards and, and DRM systems for, uh, for protecting their content. Enormously challenging, as challenging, I would say far more challenging than that, that early first challenge of the mid-90s of just, you know, uh, getting some of their content up on the Internet and hearing everybody say, well, you can't just repurpose what's on TV, so you've got to make it new and different. That was a challenge. I, I think it's small compared to what they're facing now. So what about you know consumer generated video? You know, it's you look at what we're doing right now, this this live web conversation that will go out as a podcast, and then you know our organization is doing fifteen five minute podcasts a week, and it costs us virtually nothing to do. Are we going to be seeing the the consumer video than the mainstream media? Uh, there's there's there is no doubt that um, consumer generated. Uh, TV, meaning, you know, video programming, whether we're going to stop calling it, you know, TV versus movies. It's, it's going to be, you know, it, it, that world has yet to come fully into existence. And, and, and I know, we all know, that um, people are going to be watching each other's stuff more than ever before. Um, that said, I do think that there's going to still be a, a strong role to be played for uh, the, the, the gatekeepers, the traditional uh, gatekeepers, publishers, uh, TV networks, movie studios, editorial hands who, who, who sift and choose and, and, and put on the, the best content and, and showcase it and put you know, gobs and gobs of money into the production of it, uh, you know, the, hiring the, the best writers and, and <clears throat> the best cinematographers, and uh, you know, there'll be there'll be need and room for both. Um, but the balance is definitely going to be shifting, and that uh, consumer-generated content is going to, I think, take up quite a bit more time, uh, all of our uh, video watching time than uh, than it has in the past, and in the past hasn't really even been an option. So, do you think people are going to be spending a buck ninety-nine or? 15 cents to pay for downloaded video bits the same way they're doing with songs off of iTunes? I, th- I think they will. Um, uh, we, we, uh, we just came out with research findings that were in the news uh, this week um, about that. We, we found it's early research. You know, um, everything's early, but uh, the findings we just came out with this week are that um, by a margin of 3 to 1, consumers prefer to endure the ads in, their, in on-demand programming than to uh, pay for on-demand programming, specifically to pay a dollar ninety-nine. Well, that's that's how we asked the question, and sixty-two um, percent uh, said, "Nah, you know, I don't want to pay a buck ninety-nine. Just give me the ads. I'll deal with it." Uh, I think that um, the ultimate there will be a mix. It, it's, it's not going to be all ad model or all pay-per-view model um, or all subscription. Or uh, it's going to be a mix and. Um, uh, Definitely going to be a place for the advertising, and um, and I think I think consumers also will you know they'll pay for content. There's always been a mix, and 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 the equilibrium will be found going forward. Do you think a lot of this media is going to be supported by? I'm trying to think how to say this. Uh, you've got Google AdWords out there. 
funding all these blogs, you know, big ones like Calicanus's Weblogs Inc., and then individual bloggers who are making you know, 50 bucks a week off of these ads. Is there going to be a similar phenomena out there that lets advertising support you know, the, the consumer-generated side of the media or another advertising model that puts ads around these snack-sized TV bits from the majors? I think I got your question. I think, tell me if I'm answering your question. I think that, sure, I mean, it's, it's logical that if, um, if in this new world, um, uh, consumer-generated gen- non-video content has managed to, um, to get itself some ad revenue, um, that, that advertisers have been game to, uh, to pay for eyeballs there, uh, then sure, it follows logically that they'd be game to pay for eyeballs in consumer-generated video content. As for how much, you know, how big of the pie will go to, uh, let's call them amateurs, uh, rather than, you know, big corporate media companies, I, I honestly don't think it would be that much, but, but um, that is, I mean, I don't know that it will be a huge chunk of the, you know, the $200 billion in advertising spent today that will go to consumer-generated content, but that, that's, uh, that's an off-the-cuff uh, uh, thought, and uh, it require a lot of thought and study, and that's the kind of stuff our analysts do. I, they probably disagree with me as soon as I said that. Um, anyway, that's, that's what I think of that. So back, back to where we started this conversation, you know, the, we're, ten, we're 10 years now since the first boom started. We've got a whole new kind of media, a whole new bunch of players, you know, we're all a little bit smarter and more experienced. Some of us even have had kids. I think a few of the CEOs now shave in the business, so that's exciting. Mm-hmm. And yeah, who, who's who's going to be the next next boom? Who's going to make money? Who's going to hit it big? And who gets it? Yeah, um, I don't want to sound like you know. I don't. Know, it, I'll I'll try to take a swing at that, but I'm going to sound like uh, I'm saying the predictable things. Google has done such a great job on everything else, and they're aggressive here and and and. Um, so you know, Google, Yahoo, and um, and AOL, and uh, and Microsoft seem like they're going to be able to um, take some of the the media money from the the TV industry. It seems like they're going to be able to do that. I mean, just search TV, just just having that front interface to help you find your your programming. Uh, you know, Comcast and TV Guide are going to have to do a lot better. Than they've been doing with their, uh, you know, on-screen guides, and, and um, uh, so so I think that the the search players, the, um, the portals, the smart ones uh, are 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 going to be winners here. Uh, I mean, because they're coming from, they're entering a market they haven't been in, and they're going to get some. Um, I, I think that most of the major um, networks, media companies, uh, are um, are being aggressive and smart, and uh, uh, much better than the music players and. And, and I don't see anybody being, you know, totally laggard and stupid. Um, Fox lately, News Corp lately has been getting a, a lot of uh, credit for being aggressive. But, but just lately, I mean, they weren't aggressive much before uh, MySpace acquisition. And, um, you know, I, um, I, I, think that, um, I think that they can all do well, and the studios can as well, uh, if they just keep experimenting and going out on a limb and um, erring on the side of uh, giving consumers what they want rather than trying to, you know, damn the, uh, damn the flood. Anyway, I think any, any final thoughts you have for us or anything you want to wrap up on as to where we're going with this digital media TV revolution? The only thing that comes to mind is uh, <coughs> we, um, we developed sort of a, a framework for, um, for our clients to think about uh, TV going forward, and, and 
we told them they needed a strategy for um, uh, each of the five emerging modes of TV viewing. Here's what they are. Uh, we call them closed TV, open TV, my TV, and offnet. Uh, sorry, offnet TV and search TV. We don't have time to go into them, but basically, if you're a Comcast or a Disney or a um, or, or a Dell, you've got to um, you've got to be thinking about closed systems uh, that, like we have right now, through your your you know your cable operator, your satellite provider, or coming soon your your telco video provider. Um, you've got to have a strategy for video out on the open internet. That's what we're calling open TV. Um, You've got to have a strategy for my TV, and that's that's the name we give to um, uh, the viewing of TV uh, through any device like a DVR uh, that allows you to to make it your own um, anytime, anywhere, etc. You've got to have a strategy for what we call off-net TV. Uh, this is the fourth of my five um, off-net uh, term we've coined uh, to capture stuff that uh, sharing and and viewing that goes on off the Internet, uh, ad hoc private networks. You know, you, your kid gets on a school bus and in his back, back he's got a device that's supposed to go and search for content, and, um, and, and it picks up content, and when he gets home, he's, uh, you know, he's got all these new shows that people have sent him, and he's sent others, and it's not monitorable. And then finally, um, Search TV, which, which I mentioned, which is just the interface to finding the programming. That's Great. about it. Well, great. You know, Peter, I want to thank you for all of that, and I wish we had more time to talk, but I've gotten flagged by our producer that it's time to go to commercial. So, everybody, that was Peter Stork. Thank you for joining us, Peter. Thanks a lot, Andy. Appreciate it. Thank you. We're going to go to commercial then and come back again with AdTech Connect Live featuring Internet marketing legend Michael Chong. So stay tuned after this commercial. We'll talk to you soon. For the last decade, millions of visitors seeking top ranking have visited their site. When it comes to the internet marketing expertise, one name clearly stands above the rest. Bruce Clay Incorporated. With a flexible, time-tested, and spam-free process to SEO and PPC, Bruce Clay has become the number one choice for companies of all kinds seeking to improve their search engine ranking, utilize their latest tools, training, consulting, and services. Let Bruce Clay create a tailored solution to meet your internet marketing needs today. Bruce Clay Incorporated. A rose by any other name would still be the same. Move over, Shakespeare. You need to differentiate yourself from your competition. Do it by aligning yourself with a company who has earned the trust of Jupiter Media, the NHL, and Lionsgate Films, among others. Moniker.com is the most secure ICANN-accredited register on the planet, offering you domain registration, hosting, domain sales, and acquisition services. Wrap that up with 24-7 support. That's your winning combination. M-O-N-I-K-E-R. Com. More than a name. What happens when super affiliates hit the glass ceiling? They develop RevenueGateway.com. The ad network developed by super affiliates for the affiliate marketplace. Tap into the most powerful and intuitive system designed for ROI. Exclusive tier one advertisers. Highest industry payouts. Bonus rewards and rock solid on time payments. Looking to be creative or need mentoring? There is always someone there for you live 24-7. RevenueGateway.com. The secret to your success. RevenueGateway.com WebmasterRadio.fm All 80s Before there was the internet, before there was cell phones, before there was email, before there were DVDs. Do you remember who shot JR? Then travel back, back in time every weekend of the best songs of the 80s. All weekend long, only on Webmaster Radio. Webmaster Radio! 
Connected now with your host. Hi, this is Andy Cernovitz of the Word of Mouth Marketing Association, your guest host on AdTech Connect Live, today streaming over Webmaster Radio. Uh, welcome back to the second half of the show. We are here with our guest, Michael Chong. Hello, Michael. Hey, how are you doing, Andy? Long time no talk. I'm glad yeah. to meet you here online. Here I am. So, so you are an interesting guy, to say the least. <laughs> and have made a living being an interesting guy for a very long time. Well, your, you know, my current... job is to stay kind of ahead of everybody else to, uh, to help them mold their future. So Give us a little of... bit of your backstory. Bring everybody up to speed is how you got from being Michael to being the your host of ubercool.com. Well, I um, have done six startups now. I guess I'm a serial entrepreneur by the best definition. And uh, my, uh, my uh, riding the waves uh, became apparent to me after a while. Uh, Mac Week was the first publication to leverage off the desktop publishing revolution back in the 80s. I then also founded Cyber Atlas, the first online market research site that was sold to iPro back in 1996. And then I started Iconocast, a leading online marketing newsletter, uh, you know, in the first wave before online marketing got really hot as it is today. And then uh, as Silicon Valley went through its uh, trials and tribulations, I decided that maybe what I should do is become a trend watcher which I kind of technically already was, and uh, help articulate uh, what some of the next big waves are going to be uh, and help people catch them before, they catch, uh, before they're caught by them. So I think that that's kind of in a nutshell where I've been. I've been in publishing. I've been in advertising. I've been with uh, software startups and now the Internet. And uh, I think that that uh, kind of like beautiful, rich background helps me kind of look ahead and be able to see things. So here's where I stand now, and I have created a blog called Uber Cool, which is the latest morphing of my earlier trendsetters.com site, which I felt was not a strong enough brand. So I chose something that I think will be far more memorable. And uh, the goal of that is essentially to give you kind of fast snapshots, snapshots, snapshots um, of uh, my top 50 hottest trends, uh, a blurb paragraph, and a lot of photographs so that our comic book generation can go through it really fast. So, so give me a snapshot. What are the next two or three big trends that we should be paying attention to? Well, I think that, you know, clearly out of CES flows the huge digital lifestyle trend, which... Uh, Steve Jobs technically kicked off back in 2001 at Macworld Expo when he said the PC is the only device with the necessary power and flexibility to manage, edit, and integrate digital technology into our lives. And here we are five years later, and uh, Apple has sold a whopping 14 million iPods in its last quarter, surprising everybody, and uh, adding another billion dollars to the bottom line that it had previously not projected. So you can see that this digital lifestyle is exploding, and uh, you know that is being backed by Intel's Vive announcement. It will put a huge push behind this technology, which essentially turns the PC into a home entertainment hub. 
And the implications are deep, because if you think about it, the first PC wave of the 80s uh, revolutionized office productivity uh, with word processing, spreadsheets, databases. And now the PC is uh, poised to lift entertainment productivity, a much larger market, uh, given that just about everybody listens to music or watches television. Do you think Apple got lucky with the iPod? Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a sure good question, business they used to be in. Uh, I, I think that I think that uh, luck always has something to do with it. You know, somebody has to come up with the idea first. Um, but I think that the execution on their part, specifically the incredible ease of use, and then adding the iTunes Store uh, a few years later to give it the complete, um, hate to use that cliche, end-to-end solution. Uh, made it a cus- consumer hit because it's, you know, very seamless and very easy to use. And I think that's the bottom line for Silicon Valley right now. I think that both Google and Apple are sending a very loud signal that we need to simplify our, our technology to make it accessible to consumers. And the people that do uh, have hit huge hits on their hands. Uh, and I hope that message sinks in, sinks in because up till now it has not. We're still facing far too complicated things, and, you know, that's apparent in all of the stuff that we use every day. What, what else follows that pattern? You, you, you come out with something ultra-simple, and, you know, bam, it's, it's a mega-hit. Well, you know, I mean, uh, <laughs> in the consumer market, of course, we have zillions of uh, examples of that. Um, you know, unfortunately, in the technology market, we, we, we can't really point to many people that, that uh, have successfully done this. Uh, the Maybe Palm. Palm, the Palm is uh, probably the best example of that. Uh, it created the PDA category, which is now being subsumed by uh, smartphones. And I think that that type of ease of use is uh, quite readily apparent once again in that if you look at the new, um, the new uh, Palm 700W, which Verizon is selling, which has the Windows platform on it, uh, you need to go to some pull-down menus to accomplish what the Palm OS allows you to do with just clicking a big button on the screen. So, again, think about those two juxtapositions in terms of ease of use and what will win out. I would recommend that people wait for the 700P, which is the latest, uh, which will be the latest Palm phone. And, uh, and I Coco bought the W yesterday, so we'll see how that works out. <laughs> did you? <laughs> I did. Yeah, and now the other big trend, of course, uh, that also came out of uh, the Consumer Electronics Show is, is, is this whole wireless entertainment. Uh, I think that is going to be fantastically huge. It will change the face of home entertainment because, you know, it's being propelled by the Uber trend, as I like to call them, of unwired, which is consumers just preferring to do everything in an untethered fashion. And they've been held back since the early days of electricity by unnecessary wires and cords. So I, I see this and, you know, of course, we're all familiar with Wi-Fi and that is basically accelerating. There were speeds demoed as high as 300 megabits per second, which is, you know, um, almost getting up to the range of uh, being able to propel HDTV. Uh, there were a bunch of Wi-Fi chips announced for telephones, which will... Uh, you know, and are specifically optimized for video processing. So the the whole Wi-Fi um, video over the phone, it's going to get it. It's going to get huge. And as you well know, for example, in the UK, um, they have already kicked off citywide Wi-Fi access uh, uh, points in uh, Burnley, Birmingham, Cambridge, Liverpool, and a number of other cities. And of course, here in the U.S., New Orleans, kind of by 
necessity, became the first city in the world, actually, to provide citywide uh, Wi-Fi access. And I think that that's kind of like pointing into the future as well. Is this... Um is this really good for us? I mean, all of us walking around with our gadgets, looking at little screens and big screens instead of talking to each other? Well, you know, a technology <laughs> has the danger of alienating people, yet it has also proven that uh, uh, it, it actually helps people form better bonds faster. So, for example, there was a very interesting survey a few years back that showed that uh, gamers in Los Angeles are much more apt to make friends than the average person. So again, think about the online video gaming community fostering bonds, uh, you know, and completely, uh, maybe not completely, but certainly eliminating somewhat that vision that most people have is that video gamers are, you know, pasty white-faced kids who are drinking beer and eating pizza and not meeting anybody. Uh, I think that's... Uh, I think that uh, you will see that in technologies like Metro and and all kinds of other kind of social web type phenomena that will help people actually um, hook up faster. So, yes, technology has given us an other level of communication that you know most people uh, seem to prefer. So, for example, think about voicemail. Voicemail is used right now to store and forward messages. People don't necessarily want to talk to others. And IMing is kind of the same. It's a whole new tool that teens have glommed onto, and so is texting. So these are all new levels in the communication toolbox that are completely changing society and are adding a complete new dimension to uh, relationships and, uh, and human bonding. So uh, alienation, yes, um, but also a lot of positive benefits in terms of speed of, of meeting. Are we... Are we... Getting that social benefit? I don't, I don't know why I'm so cynical right now, so I don't know where that's coming from, but are we getting this um, social benefit when we sit next to each other in Starbucks and each type on our own computer? <laughs> well, I think that you, you bring up a very interesting fact with Starbucks because um, what has Starbucks become but our living room of the future? Uh, there is a very other interesting trend going on, and that is we're slowly, the whole world is slowly becoming a nation of singles. And... Uh, um, about nearly a third of households by 2010 in America will be headed up by a single head of household. And, uh, and Starbucks is creating kind of like a communal living room, if you will, that is bringing people together. And, and yes, they're all Wi-Fiing by themselves, but there's still uh, much more of a bonding going on within that uh, environment than, 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 than you would think uh, would happen. And I think you're seeing banks going in that direction. Uh, you saw the announcement by Yahoo and uh, the um, uh, Sheraton Hotels, where they're going to offer free Wi-Fi within lobbies. All of these efforts are really, yes, they help us communicate better and make it easier for us to get things accomplished, but I also think it's it's uh, it's a uh, it's a whole new form of community building, and I think that's uh, and that's where we're headed. And you can expect a lot more businesses to jump on that bandwagon. Great. Well, let's let's, let's dig in deeper to that when we come back from commercial. We're going to take a short break, and then we'll be back here at AdTech Connect Live with Michael Chong.
So they got pretty good food here, huh? Uh -huh. Listen, I just got a new check from a program I joined. Oh, yeah? What effective CPM are they paying you? Pass the salt. Not sure. They just send me a check, not a detailed breakout. Are you joking? No. There's lots of ways to make money, but you need to be the master of your own destiny. With ValueClick Media, I instantly adopted a national sales force that delivers recognizable ads with high CPM payouts. Mm. Plus, their new interface lets me control the ads I want to run and mm. tells me how much I earn from each advertisement. Wow. Doesn't that sound better? Pass the pepper. Wow. Thanks for the tip. I'm going to give ValueClick Media a try. Join the ad network publishers trust most. Apply today at ValueClickMedia.com. PR Web is the pioneer in online press release visibility. Think beyond search. Online visibility is what really matters. PR Web's exclusive online visibility engine delivers your message to your customers and major media outlets. Get the credibility and attention you deserve. Think online visibility from PR Web. PR Web, the only major newswire service that drives quality, measurable traffic to your site. And uh, what, what's, uh, what's been your highest domain name sale? How much money was it for? It was approximately $144,000. About $150,000. That's correct. Okay, great. You have had eBay by rent.com and shopping.com for a combined $1.4 billion. Monty, 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 the master of your domain. Monty. Literally, probably 90 days after buying it uh, for $80,000, Interbrew bought it for $7 million. We appraised the property and helped get it sold for $3.4 million. It was the most valuable asset that they had, $6 million or $10 million on a domain name. When we sold autos.com for $2.2 million, people thought it was nuts, too. <laughs> domain Masters, only on Webmaster Radio. Be the master of your domain. And we're back here with AdTech Connect Live. Andy Cernovitz interviewing Michael Chong. Michael, I'd like to dig back into your past again and, and ask your advice for a new generation of publishers. If, if I remember the story right, you, were, you started Mac Week you know, in a, a PC and a table in an empty room. It was one of the first you know, guerrilla publishers back in the 80s. Yeah, in 87, I was uh, at uh, 450 Brandon Street uh, all by myself behind this glass desk, and uh, a whole parade of uh, writers walked into my office, and I thought that uh, I probably was full of malarkey. Here I was going to start a weekly, and I was going to do it in three months. We were the first publication to separate color on the desktop according to Business Week. Uh, we were the first weekly to be all Lino-based, all Mac-driven. And that is, again, uh, kind of like how I think about things and how we need to move into new directions. And I have a feeling that, you know, that world that we created, uh, unfortunately, we're going to have to uncreate. And this is what's creating a massive amount of, 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 uh, uh, of upheaval in both media and marketing. Uh, the consumer basically has become a huge control freak, which is a massive trend. That control freak trend is propelled by technology. It is also propelled by marketers who, have, of course, have been singing the praises of having it your way for 
almost 26 years now since Burger King debuted that campaign. And it is also technology that's spoiling us, that's making us want what we want, whenever we want it, wherever we want it. And so what you're getting now is that the consumer is morphing into a, you know, I want it on my iPod as a podcast or video podcast. I want it on my mobile phone as a two-minute video clip. Or I want to read it very fast on the web via RSS. Just give me the headlines. I just don't have time to dig deep. And this whole multitasking uh, consumer who uh, is highly fragmented and has a very short attention span uh, bordering on attention deficit disorder is going to be a huge challenge for marketers ahead. So in, in the past, as I said, you know, you need to roll with the new trends as they come along and be that, you know, Quark Express or then HTML or now XML, uh, that is platform independent, uh, is going to be the wave of the new direction. And we were going to have to teach our, our, um, our writers uh, to become far more succinct. And that's something that's quite of a challenge, of course, because we have trained them to be 750 words at a dollar uh, models, and they are not necessarily willing to back down from that. And uh, again, uh, I believe that as we move into the mobile phone and everybody has like a 40 to 60 character max in terms of information, we're going to have to become far more concentrated in our in our ability to grind down the data, and I think that's the big implication for media in the future. So when you... Um... You talk about how to write it, but when you got started, you know, everyone just got their first Mac, PageMaker 1.0, or they were running off to Kinko's, and you know, the, the world became you know, zine land. Right. And after a year or two of you know, everyone and their mother thinking they could publish a fascinating magazine, right. you know, a couple broke through into real publishers. Yeah. Um, now we're seeing it again with blogs where anyone can do a blog, but very few are becoming... You know, true publishers that people actually want to read. Exactly. What, what do you advise for the wannabe expert or the, the fledgling expert? You know, how, how did you break out? You know, how does it become a real publication? Well, I think that uh, blogging is, uh, is uh, the, an inkling of our massively collaborative future, and that is the big trend on the Internet. You've already seen how uh, MySpace, when it was acquired by uh, Rupert Murdoch's News Corporation back in July for uh, a whopping $580 million, that equated to about 500 bucks a user at $22 million that they had at the time. Think about it. Six months later, it's 47.5 million users, and now the ratio is far less. Uh, so the cost has plummeted. And what is uh, happening here is that viral marketing, of course, is helping propel the size of the community. And in terms of blogging, yes, there are 24.2 million blogs as there are right now. And for you to even rank in the top 50,000 requires quite a bit of work, uh, frequent updating, uh, succinctness. There's a lot of blogs, of course, that go on and on and on and on. And that is essentially, um, unfortunately, not... Uh, uh, made it to the time, and I think that that's something that we need to change. And of course, uh, if you if you believe in the the people are depressed, uh, Alvin Toffler said it best in the '70s in Future Shock. We're moving to a society where consumers are going to help produce, and he called them prosumers. Uh, 
and how true that forecast was, because here we are, and indeed we've become massively collaborative, and at the rate we're going, uh, the number of blogs within a few years will exceed the number of websites, which now top around 75 million, if I recall correctly. So uh, that is a scary future uh, for content providers, but it also calls on you know, skills that you need to develop uh, as a new publisher to understand the consumer better. And I've already mentioned some of those key points. One is we're very time compressed. We have no time. That is a huge Uber trend. And that time compression has made us multitasking beasts. We do interlaced readings, which means we skip between browser windows. Uh, the messages don't sink in. Uh, think of billboard rules outside. When you advertise on a billboard, the rule is no more than seven words. Uh, that was translated into video clips. When you did corporate videos, it used to say in the old days, no more than seven minutes. I think that the corporate video now is no more than three minutes. And we're moving to TV shows that are going to be two minutes uh, on average, believe it or not. Uh, because, again, the consumer has no time. And uh, in that whole new brave world, how do you become an effective publisher? Uh, grind down the information, try to make it as frequently updated as possible, and then, you know, use all of the, the uh, tools and technologies available to you, i.e. technorati tags, etc., etc., to make your content extremely findable because we have moved from a serendipity reading when we have and time to we have no time, so everything we read now is on demand. And that's why the biggest announcements at CES were not made on the early days when the traditional consumer electronics companies stood up on the pulpit and said, here's what we're doing. But it was Friday when both Yahoo and Google announced all of these incredible deals like the Google button on the Motorola phone or Yahoo to go, which will put its search offerings and content offerings on every platform. And I think that it already gives you an inkling of not only is content king, which is great because, you know, we've gone through this up and down, up and down swing between that being the trend and the anti-trend. But, you know, Tom Hanks said it best when he was on stage with Howard Stringer uh, uh, at the Sony announcement. And he says, I'll act anywhere. I'll do podcasts. So, you know, <laughs> here, the concept is, has permeated Hollywood and I think that we're about to stand at the beginning of a very, very, very exciting period in both media and marketing. I think, uh, I think everybody out there should be glad to be alive. Uh, it is challenging. but well, we, are, we are glad to be alive. But let me ask you the, the, the cynical question. Yeah. You, meant, you mentioned Fox buying yeah, MySpace for $500 million. Yes, $500 I believe it was 10 years ago that Murdoch tried to buy PointCast for the same amount of money. 450. 450, and whatever his name was that maybe no one remembers anymore, actually said no. Yeah, he said no. $450 million cash. Right. Um, And, you know, PointCast is gone. Um, Is MySpace next? Is it the next bubble? Is big media companies buying you up the start of the end? Well, I think that, you know, uh, obviously that that decision that that CEO made was wrong. Um, But the PointCast broadcast model is now completely alive in RSS. So simple radio syndication has taken the place of broadcasting a la pointcast. And I think that that 
tells you that the fundamentals tend to be correct and that, a, like the dot-com bust, an ex, a lot of the executions left a lot to be desired, and that's something that, of course, uh, you know, in business is, 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 is prevalent everywhere. We're not the only people suffering from that. Look at GM's woes. So uh, we are, again, at the incipient stages of a hugely different world of media, uh, the newspapers are under massive pressure and are going to succumb. Uh, trade publications are under massive p- pressure. You saw that the growth in magazines last year was just 0.5%. Uh, most magazine reading is going to be subsumed by the net. So it will be basically the net versus television, and, and that's going to be the battle of giants because as IPTV comes into its own, and that's why you're seeing such fast, fast standards being developed. There was ultra-wideband, you know, which allows you to do 480 megabits per second, 6 to 10 feet away. There's Wibro, which Samsung demonstrated, uh, showing phones, doing messages, and sharing movies. Uh, and that's based on the WiMAX standard. Wibro is rolling out in Korea. And that, again, tells you that we're going to have Wi-Fi everywhere. And uh, once you do that, then Internet radio gets into the car. Then, you know, podcasting gets into the car. Everything is going to be able to be available everywhere. And I think that, that you know, to, to me, that's, that's what consumers want, and we need to please them. It's, um, let, me, let me, this is all fascinating. Uh, let, me, let me ask you about a word on your website. Yes. The word voyeurgasm. Voyeurgasm. Gasm gets people's attention. That's what do you Uber mean by voyeurgasm? Yes, I have a I have a number of Uber trends that I track um, that I believe are are uh, part of the big drivers of society. Uh, Generation Ecstasy, which is you know kind of centered around Las Vegas and Sin City. Uh, voyeurgasm is essentially kind of like everything will be on digital, captured some way, somewhere, someday. And you got to think about it. You know, we've we've got uh, two billion phones. By the end of the decade, more than half of those will have a video capability, and two thirds of them will have uh, a camera capability. So that means that everybody will be walking around with three megapixel plus cam phones and capture just about everything uh, online, and that is going to be a huge revolution because, again, think about massively collaborative media where everybody will be pouring in videos and and pictures. And we are a nation of rubberneckers. And online, we're a nation of digital rubberneckers. And that is what propels voyeurgasm. We love to see it. And I think that uh, a whole new wave of media will allow us to see everything. And... uh, (laughs) It may sound strange, but as you can tell, look at reality shows. Uh, the Rodney King beating probably started to trend in, in earnest big time in, in 1992. Uh, now everything is captured on video, you know, from the Maryland Too Good beating to the Concord crash to, you know, the London bombings, which became the first widely, uh, widely collaborated uh, media uh, event in, in, in the U.K., where, where, where they were relying on so many people with their camera phones to, to supply content that the media itself could not get to. Perfect example of what the future holds in store. What, what else should we be looking for? Yeah, well, let's talk about the advertising community. I mean, as, 
as you know, you're coming back to ad tech and we're all here to jump on the next big advertising trend. I mean, I don't think anyone thought search was going to be the big money you know, payoff advertising medium. Right. How, how does advertising fit into all these trends that you're looking at? Well, you know, I think um, if, if you think about um, the, the, the fact that uh, Google has uh, booked $6 billion in revenue in, in, 19, uh, in 2005 and, and, and will, will hit $10 billion in a couple of years, uh, all predicated on small text ads that are black and white in nature and have virtually no animation or, or, or art, uh, gives you an inkling of that whole time compression backdrop here. We are really, really focused on our, our goals. We need to get things done faster. And the media that allows us to get to what we need to get to faster are the ones that are going to win. And uh, I'm going to make a prediction that I think you probably will find outlandish, but I'm not sure that even Google or Yahoo are going to be the big brands that will rule by 2012. Uh, it's quite conceivable that there were going to be much, even much bigger brands because the net allows you to propel successes so fast that it could literally create an internet storm overnight. And, uh, and that's why I, I, and I'm looking particularly towards China, uh, as the market where I will believe a huge amount of brands will come from that no one has ever heard of, Ningbo Bird, Hisense, people like that that are going to be players in this new world. Yeah, and, uh, and that, we did, that we didn't predict that search was going to be that big. Well, we kind of knew it. Um, it wasn't effective in the early days enough to, you know, to make it. Uh, Google uh, stumbled on the model first of keyword advertising. Uh, and, and if you think about it, the model started with overture, cost per click, uh, which was then, you know, taken to a much higher level by Google. Uh, overture went to Yahoo for a billion. So the cost per click model is now worth whatever Google is worth, which is what, north of 120 billion. What's the next stage in the game? The next stage in the game is cost per acquisition. Marketers want the ultimate. And they're going to demand it, and they're going to get it because there's going to be so many competitors who will be willing to give it to them. So I believe that the next step is you're going to actually participate in my profit stream. And this will alienate a lot of publishers who are listening to this show right now because they don't want to hear this. But the fact of the matter is there's $450 billion that is being spent worldwide on marketing, and that old rule of 50% of it not working or not working in mysterious ways, is, is totally true. And we're seeing that already now. You're seeing, you know, 30% upkicks into online marketing because of its efficiency. You're seeing media like cable and vertical magazines that are very targeted growing faster than any other media. And you're seeing the mass media like television and newspapers taking a huge hit. And that is kind of the message that marketers are starting to drive to the media give us much more efficiency. And I believe that models that are on the CPA basis are the next wave of the future. Well, that brings us pretty much to the end of our time. Do you have any last final thought you want to share with us? Yeah, I think that uh, I wanted to uh, quickly say something about uh, the iPod economy and Apple. Uh, those were the big announcements this week. Uh, I think that what most analysts missed is the fact that the MacBook Pro, which has Intel Core Duo chips, can run with some, you know, tweaks 
Windows. So in effect, Apple has now become a clone manufacturer. And I think this is a huge message for them because <laughs> they're going to be able to sell a ton, a ton of apples now uh, because they'll be able to dual boot both OSs and allowing people to use both applications at the same time. And I think that's going to be phenomenal news for Apple. And, you know, of course, as you well know, they've sold 14 million iPods. So for shows like this, podcasting and video podcasting, I only see that accelerating beyond belief because these platforms are becoming huge fast. And, uh, again, whoever is playing early is going to win. Wonderful. So this is... Yeah, bring us to the end of our show. Michael, I want to thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Andy. And we'll, we'll have you back very soon, and we'll see you, of course, at AdTech. Okay. Yeah, I, want to, I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in, downloading, streaming, or whatever you did to hear AdTech Connect live and learn a little bit more about the future of interactive media, content, and digital TV. Thanks again to our guests, Peter Stork and Michael Chong. This is Andy Cernovitz of the Word of Mouth Marketing Association. Signing off as your guest host for the week. So thank you for listening. From WMR Studios. From Academy Award-winning producer, Mr. Producer, and Academy Award-winning director, Mr. Intern, comes a two-hour roller coaster ride of thrills. Excited about the uh, different things that are going on here. Chills. Wow, that's excellent. And pure adrenaline. How you doing today, Greg? Excellent. 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 And again, sounds like the show's going pretty well for you. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Next stuff now's Chris Tolls. Excellent. And uh, welcome to Next Stuff Now. Good karma's good ROI, Greg Nyland. Trying to put your hole in the dam with all the cracks. You know, as soon as you get one, there's always a new one. Excellent. Starring the blockbuster event of the summer, Chris and Greg's Excellent Adventure. Um, yeah, that's excellent. Critics hail it as the best buddy movie of the year. East meets West in this laugh-out-loud box office classic. Excellent. You'll cry. You'll cheer for Chris and Greg's Excellent Adventure. Rated EX4. Excellent. Check out Next Stuff Now with Chris Tolls, Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, and Good Karma, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, only on Webmaster Radio. Coming soon to a podcast near you. Excellent. From WMR Studios, from Academy Award-winning producer, Mr. Producer, and Academy Award-winning director, Mr. Intern, comes a two-hour roller coaster ride of thrills. Excited about the, uh different things that are going on here. Chills. Wow, that's excellent. And pure adrenaline. How you doing today, Greg? Excellent. 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 And again, sounds like the show's going pretty well for you. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Next Stuff Now's Chris Tolls. Excellent. And uh, welcome to Next Stuff Now. Good karma's good ROI, Greg Nyland. Trying to put your hole in the dam with all the cracks. You know, as soon as you get one, there's always a new one. Excellent. Starring the blockbuster event of the summer, Chris and Greg's Excellent Adventure. Um, yeah, that's excellent. Critics hail it as the best buddy movie of the year. East meets West in this laugh out loud.